Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. Hi, everybody, and welcome to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. My name is Andy Baskin. His name is Daryl Ryder. It is a pleasure to be with you. You know the storylines that are going on around the team. The biggest one still is Deshaun Watson, but there was a new one that snuck its way into the media headlines uh, over the weekend, and then it just got bigger on Monday, and that is talk of a new stadium or renovating the stadium, all uh, kind of filtered a little bit or sparked by a blog from NEO Ohio, which I I feel like I've seen it before, Daryl. I want to start with this question. We'll get into all the facts and everything else. A lot of people think, hey, this is a really good time for this story to be out here because of everything that's going on with Deshaun Watson. Is there or do you think that this is a timing thing for the Browns because it's a good time for this story to come on? I'll be honest. We only said Deshaun Watson's name like six times today on the show. And normally he probably got like 40 or 50, uh, 40 or 50 different mentions on a normal show. Yeah, uh, this story is a gift from the gods, uh, but no, I'm not going to say that the Browns planted this or they want this uh, out there because, quite frankly, the truth of the matter is there's not much right now. Um, This is all exploratory as far as what's going on. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it is a nice distraction. It sure beats talking about a starting quarterback that probably isn't going to be allowed to play this year. Because as you know, Andy, that narrative has changed. It's gone now from, you know, a couple of games to eight, possibly eight to 10 games. And now you have a lot of, you know, people nationally all of a sudden talking about him not even being allowed to play for this year. So I certainly can understand the conspiracy theorists out there that want to connect the dots here. But look, it, it took the Browns until Monday afternoon at just before six o'clock to release a very lengthy statement uh, from Peter John Baptiste. He's the senior vice president of communications for the Haslam Sports Group, which uh, not only encompasses the Cleveland Browns, but it uh, includes the, the, the Columbus Crew Soccer Club uh, down Interstate 71. Um, so I, I don't feel like this is something that the Browns threw out there just to distract everybody. But it is a welcome distraction, that's for sure. All right, so I just want to make sure that, I mean, I, this story has been terrible. We've been talking about the story from before Deshaun Watson was even a member of this team. I mean, this has been a volcano. It just hasn't percolated. And then, you know, the lava just kind of seems to be coming to the top on this thing right now. I do think there is an element of timing with this thing. 
I don't think it's a bad thing for the Browns for the story to be out there right now, but I don't think the Browns went out of their way to make this thing happen right now, this story to be out there. Right, and, and the timing lines up because you were talking about a project that could touch in the uh, with a B billions uh, of dollars. Okay, when you talk about just everything altogether, not just a, a stadium renovation, but uh, lakefront development. Assuming that that even moves forward, and we're going to get into that, and we're going to get into where the team is coming from and what they are looking for, but. Uh, what we can tell you right now is the Cleveland Browns are not asking for a brand new stadium yet. Right. And the key word is yet. And to your point, Andy, this is a process that they have to go through. The lease is up in seven years after the 2028 season that will complete the 30th season at First Energy Stadium. That building right now, quite frankly, is falling apart. And we're going to get into why that is as well. Uh why that's happening. Hang on, I don't think a lot I don't think anybody listening realizes that. What you just said. I especially after what 125 million dollars of improvements, right. you're saying the stadium is falling apart. Yes, it is slowly but surely falling apart. The city of Cleveland this year alone, Andy, just last month had to approve a 10 and a half million dollar expenditure for the stadium that they're they're required under the terms of the lease okay mm -hmm. uh ramps are crumbling that's three million dollars they've got hvac equipment that needs replaced um there's a bunch of other stuff uh, uh that just it it has to be fixed it, it's not a they're repainting the hallways or they're renovating some suites or you know trying to create other revenue no th these this is stadium infrastructure and all you have to do is look up toward the upper deck and see all the rust that is on the structural steel right now. Uh, it's, it's in a tough location because there's a big body of water there. There is nothing to break the weather coming off the, the lake from the north and the northwest, which is where the most violent weather comes from. There's, no, there's nothing to stop that and shield it at all. So it bears the brunt uh, of a lot of... Uh, of that abuse from mother nature. So, yeah. And, and so right now where the Browns are and what they are doing is trying to determine the long-term viability of that building. In other words, when we get to 2028, even if let's just say for the, just the sake of the discussion, we dump another couple hundred million dollars into this stadium to fix it up and to pro it does that work. You know, it's work. It's going to work with Progressive Field. It worked for Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, okay? And those, re uh, you know, Progressive Field, the renovation is going to begin this fall. will end in 2025. It's uh, over, you know, three years it's going to take them to basically redo that ballpark. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, they were able to knock out in like 18 months. Pretty amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, it was pretty amazing uh, how quickly that they got that renovation done. So... Right now, it's all about determining the condition of the stadium. So two things are happening right now, okay? Yeah, but let me just, before we get into this, okay, because this was something that came up on the show today. I just want to talk to you about it. Okay. There's this thought. I know we'll get into the future and all that other stuff. But, Daryl, like, people think that they can put a roof over the current stadium. They're not going to put a roof over that current stadium. They're not going to put a retractable dome. Be like, people forget that the stadium is built on landfill. It's built on garbage. And if you think that a roof could come in there, that they, I'm, I'm sure they could build one, and I'm sure they could do it, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to build it on a landfill. I can't imagine the landfill was was constructed in a way to carry the weight of a roof over a stadium that size. And just imagine when you get snow on it. You know what I have visions of? If somebody thought about putting a roof on the current stadium, the stadium sinking into the lake. That's what I see. <laughs> And I also see garbage coming back up from the like makes no sense at all if somebody tried to put a roof on that stadium. That's like I've seen stadiums that were built that maybe one day and there's a Washington Grizzly Stadium in Missoula always seem to have these slopes that they could one day if they wanted to, they could put a dome over it. This stadium is not built for that. There's no way that's ever going to happen. And I can't imagine how much that's going to cost. And when you talk about rusting in the upper deck, that furthermore says to me, 
get out of that site. And I liked what you tweeted the other day about paying for it. And I'll let you get to that later. Go ahead. I'm sorry. There were two things. Yeah. So to your point about the roof, you're hundred percent right. That's the stadium and the lakefront is man-made land. Okay. And so that presents engineering challenges. And this is where the foundation of the existing building comes into question. Now, I, I, I spoke to two people today that dispute some of the things that I have heard about that foundation and concerns that might be there from an engineering standpoint. Uh, two people told me that they disagree with the assessment that the foundation isn't, isn't long-term stable enough to support that building beyond 30, 40 years, okay? So they think it is. They do. Okay, so there's also another part to this. But I've heard otherwise. I've heard the foundation is a concern. I've heard that the structure, the concrete structure of the building is a concern. I've heard the steel structure of the building is a concern. Again, though, I've heard conflicting stuff coming from other sources as well. Back to the two things that are going on, though, that people need to understand about this. There are two studies, actually three studies being done right now. One study is being done by the Cleveland Browns is the feasibility study that uh, was spoken about in the statement that was released by the team Monday. Okay. And basically that feasibility study is multifaceted. Primary part is existing first energy stadium. Can, can it be viable beyond the 30 year lease? If so, what are we looking at to prolong the life of the building? Okay. Uh, another prong to that study is the Browns want to add more events. One of the crit- crit- criticisms is that this building, which is publicly funded, does not operate year round or on the scale like Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse that has 200 plus dates a year. Uh, Progressive Field has 82 dates minimum per year. Okay. First Energy Stadium has anywhere from now 10 to 15 dates per year. And so the Browns honestly do want to bring more events to the city of Cleveland and they want to expand the scope of the use of the stadium. So that's what the Browns are up to right now is a feasibility study to tell them basically, can they stay in that building and accomplish the goals of expanding the calendar, the events calendar, the way that they want to do. The second thing that's happening is the city of Cleveland is doing a audit of the stadium. That is going to cost around $500,000. It is mandated per the terms of the lease between the Cleveland Browns, the National Football League, and the city that was signed in 1999 to bring the team back. Every five years, the stadium has to be audited for performance, safety, all that kind of thing. And what that audit does, it goes top to bottom, systems, structure, uh, you name it, anything and everything dealing with the stadium, they will break down what's in good condition, what's in need of immediate repair, what's in need of emergency repair, what needs replaced in the next five years or repaired in the next five years, and then what has to be replaced or repaired five to 10 years down the road. That's the city's stadium audit. The third thing that's taken place is dealing with the uh, land bridge lakefront development project that has been proposed and supported by the Haslam Sports Group. And that is that massive 200 plus million dollar project that was proposed. And the Browns put out the beautiful renderings last year, uh, connecting the stadium to the lakefront, new office buildings, everything else, right? Right. Uh, involved in this. And that includes uh, relocating or switching out how Route 2 operates and everything else. So those that study is going on as well. And so as those three things happen right now, fans need to understand a couple of things. One, as we said earlier in the podcast, no new stadium is being asked for right now. Number two, the focus of the team is remaining on the lakefront first and foremost. They are 100% committed to this land bridge lakefront development project that they have proposed well, I don't know if proposes the right word, but they are they have endorsed along with the city of Cleveland. Um, and it is my gut feeling that if 
that project moves forward or not will carry a tremendous amount of weight in their ultimate stadium decision as far as do they stay, do they go. So you're saying keep your eye on the land bridge. Correct. I think that that project alone is going to make or break whether or not the Cleveland Browns choose to stay on the lakefront. And again, I want to stress that, you know, the folks that I have spoken to within the last 72 hours about this situation have all expressed the Browns commitment to that project. It's not a, it's not one of those things where um, they're setting up something to fail so that they can go do something else. They are 100% behind this project. And my suspicion is, and we'll get into it later in the podcast, that that project, though, is going to determine the, the actual life of the existing stadium. All right. Hang on. He's Darrell Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. There's a lot more to talk about when it comes to the stadium situation. I want to talk about the blog, what's fact and what's fiction about the NEO Ohio blog that's out there. Some of the things might just be dated. So we'll talk about that when we come back a little bit of a history lesson, too, about how did we get to this point where we're talking about perhaps having another stadium for your Cleveland Browns. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Give us a bunch of stars and say you like the show, and we appreciate you. I want you to know that. All right, let's talk more about the facts when we come back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast yo trey kevin what's up man you know i've been thinking what would have happened if the nba never vetoes the chris paul trade to the lakers and we get cp3 in the same backcourt as kobe in la well you get a very happy jack nicholson for sure and the lakers probably win a bunch more championships cp3 finally gets a ring or two or three and the kardashian empire is forever altered what did you just say hey everybody i'm trey wingo and i'm kevin frazier and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from wondery alternate routes as former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus it's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We love having you on board. If you like what you're listening to, why don't you give us a couple stars? And, of course, please, please subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed because we love having you on board and we appreciate it. Have had a lot of good feedback over the last couple of weeks, especially friends that seem to be driving around town, love listening to the podcast, So, especially when they're not listening between 10 and 2. That's just a public service message. I'm just letting you know. So let's move on to a little bit more about the stadium as we're calling this the stadium show. Um, Daryl, how did we get to this point? How did we get here? Well, this is a process that began years ago when the Haslam's actually bought the team. They, uh, one of the things that the NFL wanted to see was the stadium modernized because to be perfectly honest about it, when that stadium opened, it was obsolete the day the doors opened. Um, 
And part of the reason was, uh, as we know, it was a rush job. You had a lot of politicians that were trying to save some face after the Browns left. They wanted to get the team back on the field as soon as possible. Uh, three years basically elapsed. It was a three-year hiatus. So basically in three and a half years, they tore down the old stadium, designed and built a new stadium. And by some miracle of God, even when they were hiring scouts in July with kickoff set for early September, the Browns took the field in 1999. So uh, a lot of corners had to be cut because as that stadium was originally being built, it was starting to cost a small fortune that they did not budget for and they did not plan for. To one point, Al Lerner, the late owner of the Browns, who was awarded the expansion franchise, also put Art Modell on the plane to Baltimore, but we won't go there. Um, They went ahead and uh, took out the escalators from the design to save money. And then Al Lerner basically realized, no, we kind of need some escalators, so I'm going to get out the checkbook, and I'm going to pay for them myself. And then also he paid for some additional suites and other enhancements to the stadium because so many corners were being cut and stuff was being chopped off the design because costs of it were exploding. So that was problem number one. Problem number two is, is even with, and I will give the Haslam's a lot of credit, I thought that they did an outstanding job with that $125 million renovation that they did in 2014 and 2015. They reconfigured both of the end zone upper decks, put in the new uh, state-of-the-art scoreboards and sound system. They did some stuff on the service level, added a couple of clubs, cleaned some stuff up, made it basically so that when you walked in the building, you knew what NFL team played there. It was the Browns because for years that place was a sterile concrete dungeon. And the only way you knew the Browns played there was the paint on the field and there was a sign outside the Browns locker room. That was pretty much it. Oh, and the seats were orange. That's why I call it the great pumpkin on the lake because it looks like a pumpkin. (laughs) But that's it. So they kind of, you know, added some personality into the building and some fan-friendly experience. And that is something that going forward, the team would like to continue to do is enhance it. You know, the concourses are still pretty tight, even though it is, a, you know, the building's not all that old by, you know, standards of the previous stadium that lasted from 1932 all the way to the end of 1995 there. But um, it just it it wasn't designed very well. When you look at Progressive Field, you look at Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse, less the arena than the ballpark. The reason Progressive Field is so pristine is because they went through so many sets of blueprints designing that. And so I just think it's so smart for the Browns to be going through what they're going through right now. And that is having these conversations behind the scenes, doing these studies. Hey, this is, you know, this is what the building is going to be able to do. This is what we can do to the building to modernize it and make it better and extend the life of it. Or, you know, maybe they find out, you know what, this thing's falling apart. It's going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars just to fix the thing structurally. Forget about making it nice and pretty for fans. It might not even be worth salvaging it. And then also, too, if the lakefront development doesn't happen, then it really doesn't become worth salvaging beyond the life of the lease because that's a big part of this is the Browns would like the fans to have the similar experience that Guardians fans have and Cavalier fans are able to have. There's stuff to do besides just going to the parking lot, sitting on your tailgate, pounding a six-pack, walking to the stadium for the game, and then as soon as the game is over or the Browns are down by 21 points in the fourth quarter – walking out of the place, back to your car, and driving home. They, they want to create a more immersive fan experience. So that is part and parcel to everything that's going on right now. And I, look, the more blueprints they can draw, the more plans they can kind of come up with and ideas and plan A, plan B, plan C, I think the better off Browns fans are going to be with their game day experience beyond that 2028 season. All right, let's talk about the blog, the Emmy Ohio blog that started this whole thing over the weekend. I, it, there were some parts of that that were just, to me, first of all, I felt like I've read that before from them. And, and did I, Daryl? Am I nuts? Didn't they well, already? 
No, I mean, again, the stadium stuff has been going on since the Haslam's bought the team. Not that they were looking to build a new one, but the assessment. Okay, what are we walking into? What do we have to work with here? Okay, right. What, what are our? You know, there is a business element here, and that's not a criticism. That's the reality. You know, what are our uh, advanced hospitality options that we can provide? Uh, fans and and business people with outside of a suite at the 30 yard line type thing, right. That you see all these new stadiums have, right. right. So, um, and then obviously the basics of having a, a state of the art video, audio video experience, uh, you know, for fans and, and things like that. So um, the, the site stuff that they brought up, okay. By, uh, I think it was e- between East 13th and East 18th, I believe. That area there next to the uh, – basically – FBI, uh, Channel 3, Mounted Police over there, right? between In that area. Basically, the Muni lot is in front. And right. up the, at the top of the hill would be the new stadium. That right. site is not viable, okay? It's uh, it doesn't not. make any sense. It made no sense to me at all when I was reading that. Zero chance Channel 3 is moving. Look, I realize the Browns relocated a church in Berea so that they could – enhance things out there by uh, cross-country right. mortgage campus i get right. that they're not moving the fbi they're not mu- moving well there uh, i mean i do give them credit they did say that there was a part of that where the fbi was looking at trying to move out to the suburbs right anyway. but i just can't see channel three walking away from their building no yeah, way it, it's not and 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 also too there's been apartment developed that's happened uh, development that's happened in that area too that that site's not viable Although it would be great for Slimans. Slimans would be very excited if they wanted to move up there. <laughs> they would be thrilled. Um, the area down by the post office, Orange Avenue. Keep that makes mind, sense. It does make sense. It might not be big enough, number one. Number two, keep in mind, that entire area has just recently been completely rebuilt infrastructurally as far as the roads and the inner belt and all that goes. Orange Avenue the East ninth extension, the East 20, I think it's East 22nd extension, right? The, the exit the bridge, ramps, all that stuff here. Yeah. Now, before that interbelt project happened and they replaced one bridge with two, because that's the Cleveland way. Right. Um, they, they could have, uh, you know, gone in that area diagonal from progressive field, but you can't do that anymore. That land now has been occupied by the interbelt and you there, th- that room no longer exists. So, those sites, I don't feel that were mentioned in that blog, I don't feel are very viable for the Browns right now. Although again, I do wonder, you probably could back into the mill. There, I mean, there is land there that I, I, I do think that it would make, I mean, if it, if it made sense and it made financial sense, and I think that's something that we haven't right. even talked about yet, that if it did, I, I also, the other point that, and I just, I remember having an, a, a conversation with, uh, it was a high-ranking official at the Browns. It was just, it was, and this is probably about ten regimes ago. So, but it was infuriating. <laughs> it, so, if you're trying to figure out who I was talking to, you're not going to be able to. But it, it was infuriating I don't know. I to might. them. Uh, you might get it, but it was infuriating to them that the Browns are like the only team in the NFL that really doesn't have any of their own parking. And yeah, well, when you think about it, I mean, even at five dollars a car in a in a seventy thousand seat stadium, you do the math. Uh, and the I, revenue I, I, that's not coming to the to the NFL franchise when so many other NFL franchises are making money on parking. I was at a youth baseball tournament over the weekend. I'm sure that in this four day tournament, they cleared over 125 thousand in cars because you had to pay five dollars a day. And I'm not kidding. That I mean, it was in wow. Columbus, Berliner Park. Like I was trying to figure out the math. I was like, you know, unique situations to cars that were coming in. <laughs> you had to pay $5 a day if you were just a regular car. I mean, like the parking money is such simple money for an NFL franchise and the Browns don't see any of it or very well. And, and, and Browns fans should be very, very blessed that you're only paying 20 to 25 to 30 bucks to park in Pittsburgh. Um, fans have to park a mile up the hill from the stadium and they're paying $75 for a spot. Wow. I, I, I know there, uh, I think Dallas charges a hundred dollars to park. Uh, outside of Jerry World, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, it is. They so, did the last. I know when Ohio State was there for the national championship. I don't think they were charged up, but there were pretty. I mean, hey, the NBA All Star Game here was pretty hefty. I saw 60, 70 bucks. Man, they were gouging that's what big it was. time. 
well, when the Cavaliers with LeBron were in the NBA finals every year, that's what the downtown lots were, were charging too. So Cleveland has had it pretty good uh, with the, the setup, if you will, when it comes to the, you know, pricing and parking and additional stuff like that. Obviously if the Browns build a new stadium, things are going to change, but um, right now Browns fan has no idea how good they have it because the ticket prices for the Browns are very, very reasonable when you can, when you compare them to the rest of the league. Uh, number one. And then number two, like I said, the amenities around the stadium, as far as parking expense and that, again, it is very, very uh, reasonable compared to other cities around the league. But the existing stadium and what's around it, it's starting to fall behind the times. And it also is you know, completely disconnected from downtown. It's basically on an island by itself. There is like, there's not, nothing really to do on the lakefront on Brown's game days at all. Um, I know the Science Center and the Rock Hall is there, but let's be honest about it. I don't think 70,000 fans are going to the Science Center or the Rock Hall for a football game. So we're, what I'm obviously referencing is dining and other, you know, types of, the, you know, those ancillary experiences. So, um, that's why development around this, this land bridge project is so central to, I think, their long-term thinking. If this land bridge stuff doesn't happen, there is zero reason for the Cleveland Browns to stay on the lakefront. That's, by the way, I want to be very clear. That is me talking. That's not anyone, you know, I'm, I'm not passing the word for anyone. Like, that's from me. Like, I, I, there is nothing no reason for the Browns to remain on the lakefront. So um, the, they have explored stadium sites, though, in the past, Andy. They really All have. Right, so let, let's do this. Let's take a quick time out. Let's talk about what you think should happen. I'll tell you what I think should happen. And as always, we'll probably talk about it in our next mailbag show, which will be coming up here uh, shortly. At, at Game Day CLE, at Game Day CLE, uh, you can hit us up there and you tell us what you think should happen. And we'll talk about it on a future show. But when we come back, I want to talk about what we both think should happen and where the Browns should be playing, whether it's on the lakefront or at another site. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. The future is next. It's always game day in Cleveland. We love having you on board. And if you like what you're listening to, just remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Daryl, uh, I'm going to start. Well, I'll let you start, obviously. Let's do this. Where should the Browns be playing football, say, seven or eight years from now? I'm going to say in a retractable dome not located on the lakefront. Okay, where and would you like to see and, it? And with the turf field. Because that's the other part of this, too. They have to decide if they want to keep playing on turf or, or if they want to pl keep playing on grass or do they want to switch to turf. Perfect example why that's important. This year. So the Browns have, uh, in no particular order, they have Monster Jam coming up, they have two concerts coming up, and they have Top Golf coming up all before the preseason opener. The second concert actually happens eight days before the preseason opener. So the grounds crew has eight, well, less than eight days. They have about seven or six days to get the grass field in shape safe and playable for a preseason game. That's going to be very, very challenging. It usually takes a grass field. You need about two weeks to rehab it and really get it going. They've got eight day, less than eight days to make that happen. So that's challenging. If the Browns currently like played on turf, hell, they could have a concert the day before a game and play the very next day. And again, that goes to the economics of being able to use this building more and more and more. Playing on a grass surface prohibits that a little bit, uh, aside from the fact that it's open air because you can't do anything besides play your football games in, in, in season, and then you have to wait until the weather clears in April and May before you can start booking the place again. Whereas with the Dome, guess what? You can book that building year-round and basically have events from day to day without worrying about having the grass ready to play. So, um, I, I, yeah, I think that 
them building a retractable roof dome so that the diehards can have their wish of when it's nice out or whatever, you can still play in open air. But when the weather's really, really crummy, close the roof, play in uh, good conditions, or hold whatever event in indoor conditions as well. That's that's just so, my take. Daryl, I'm not a horticulturist on this, but I agree with you on the retractable dome. Jeff and I have been talking about it for 12 years. Again, it's about the n- number of dates that we have in that facility, and we don't have enough dates going on right now in a publicly funded building that needs to be more active, that they need to have it. And again, I just say go look at all the things they've had in Indianapolis. Yep. The other thing, I don't know. I mean, if I'm going to dream, I'm going to dream big. And if it's not my money, I'm spending it. But I'm probably going to stay with a grass field and go to the tray that they have in Arizona. And I don't know how that works during the winter. But if you can have a tray, the tray of grass, I don't know if it works or not. I if don't there's a way to figure it out. I don't know of any cold weather trays that are out there. I do know the Arizona no. tray exists. Arizona and Vegas are both on trays. Right. And so I don't know if there's a way to do it and – you know, I, I don't know it has the to be a heated tray. It would have to be a heated tray. Yeah, which would up the cost of the tray. By the way, I, I agree. Uh, so anyway, but that's what I would like Remember, to see. I agree. Floors cost more money. <laughs> what does heated floors cost more money? Well, that's true. I mean, I'd For like you, to have a heated uh, driveway. So I don't have to, people out there. <laughs> I, I don't want to have to shovel my driveway during the winter too. Well, if I had a heated driveway. heated driveway, they just put gas pipes underneath the brick, and then you're good to go. That's all yeah. you need. Yeah, is that at the is, is that at the uh, Andy Baskin Palatial Estate? You got a heated driveway between that and the salt that I try to lay down every year before I wipe Ooh. out on ice, which happens every year. Bad too. idea! So, oh, salt's going to destroy your concrete. Uh, well, anyway, we don't use it anyway. So I just fall. I'm just good with that. All right, so uh, Daryl, uh, again, and, and we have another topic that I really think we need to talk about. Who's paying for this coming up here in a second? But if you had to pick sites, where is your number one site for this pl- team to play? Well, selfishly, because I want it to be like five minutes from my house, I'm going somewhere out by the airport. I, I because you've got and by the way, the road is paved for that already. There are some pay. I mean, look, we all know that the Ford plant has already lost. They they knocked down two of the buildings. the The land is available. It's close to the Browns facility now, and if yep. you could figure out a way to make that into some kind of football destination between the two venues, man, you're in great shape. Well, and you've got two interstates, 480 and 77 there. There's an RTA line that runs from downtown all the way out to the airport. So that infrastructure is in place. You're not far from the turnpike either. Yeah, I think that that is the perfect location to put a new stadium. And for those that say, well, you can't build next to an airport, uh, SoFi Stadium is literally across the street from LAX. Now, granted, they dug 100 feet into the ground to because that building is so mad. I, I forget how many levels. I think it's like eight levels between the, the decks and the suites. It's like eight levels from field level all the way to the top of the, the upper deck or whatever. But they were able to build SoFi Stadium. And here's the other thing. Earlier, you, you were asking about the roof situation on the existing stadium. Right. You are 100% correct. I wrote about this. I wrote about... 1500 words uh, on the station website, 923thefan.com about just outlining everything that we've been talking about where things are with the stadium and, and things like that. But I also laid out. So the existing stadium structure, which we're not even sure is going to be able to survive beyond 30 years, which is a comforting thought uh, because again, it's sitting on man-made land, not great. Um, they could build a roof over the stadium. However, it would have to be built as an independent structure because it, it can't be added on. Now, SoFi Stadium, funny enough, funny story, in Los Angeles, SoFi Stadium is built this way. So I believe Mariners that, is, I, I think the old Safeco, I forgot what it's called now, but in Seattle is also built the same way, where it's, uh, a, it's on a train track that's separate from the stadium. Right. And the reason for this, the reason they did that in Los Angeles with this, this translucent canopy that goes over the field and it's open air that uh, SoFi actually, they call it a dome. It's not a true dome because it's open air, but it just has, okay. Well, what they did was is because of the earthquakes, 
they're independent structures. So the roofs, the the canopy system is 100% into, I, 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 I'm a big engineering architecture guy, love that stuff. So I watched a documentary on this uh, and they, how they, how and why they built those independent structures uh, for earthquake protection. So, uh, but it's fascinating, but basically that's what the Browns would have to do with first energy stadium is build a separate canopy to go over the existing stadium. And I think what they would have to do, obviously they'd have to basically enclose the whole building. They could not leave it open air. And I think too, Andy, for the structure, the steel, and even the concrete, they would need to enclose it to protect it from the weather long-term, which right now it doesn't have those type of protections. So um, it you know, is it's interesting that the, the more we talk about this, Daryl, the more I, I wonder what a stadium like Michigan stadium would be like if they built that here in Northeast Ohio, because the majority of that stadium is underground. It's a bowl. It's, oh, it's in oh, the ground. The it's a bowl. Gotcha. Oh yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. The big house. Um, at where Ohio Stadium is almost is all above ground except for the well, I shouldn't say that the lower deck and the field is actually uh, even with the water table with the Olentangy River. That's a I don't know if you remember there used to be a track in Ohio Stadium, and they got yes. rid of the track. They had to lower the field because the stadium was was near its structural integrity at a hundred years, and that they built around the outside of the existing stadium. Like when you walk in, you can still see the walls of the old stadium in there. Yeah, and I wonder. You know, when and I think way, about one, one fact sure. about Ohio Stadium, the piles, yeah. yeah, the piles were dug by hand. They literally had men lined up. This is what type of geniuses uh, used to live in this country and generations ago. They literally had dudes in straight lines lined up digging the holes for the piles to hold the stadium up by hand with shovels. <laughs> That is a true. I've seen pictures. It is incredible. It's an incredible feat of engineering. But and yeah, I also, I, you, I, know, you, you can't do that at First Energy. You, there's only so deep you can go. I think First Energy is either 19 or 20 feet below street level. The field is. And those um, are the originals. If if I'm not corrected, Daryl, or if I'm if I'm correct, and I believe I am, those piles or pillars that were the structural, you know, holding points of the old stadium. They kept for the new stadium that they were um, able to use the original footers. It's the only thing that existed that they used from the original. I just I remember my dad was on the construction of this. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, some of it because remember the the old stadium was more of a hor- uh, more of a horseshoe, horseshoe, correct? Wide wide horseshoe, which allowed him to you know fit baseball in there. And originally that stadium was built for the nineteen thirty something 32, Olympics, thirty two Olympics. Yeah, yeah, they were hoping to get the, and, the Olympics, and it never happened. And you know where most of the stadium is now, right? Yes, it's in the lake. That is correct. Except for the chair that sits behind me, seat number twelve. Not sure of the section, but I have seat number twelve uh, from the old stadium in my home office. I Carol, can't. I think what in. I'm going to do. Because when, I'm, when you I, can, I can't sit in it because I'm afraid I'm gonna get it lead poisoning if I get a splinter. <laughs> so I also have a chair from that same probably from one of the yellow seat sections, and I will put that uh, when you can actually see us when we go video in this uh, podcast. Uh, I'll have mine behind me. You can have yours behind you, and we can sit in them and do the show. It'll be great. <laughs> All right, Daryl. Uh, I, I think we can call it a show. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? Sorry, we shouldn't. Who should pay for this thing? <laughs> I hate to go well, off the air without talking about that. Yeah, it is, it is something that they are really going to have to figure out. And that's the other part of this, too, is that I, I think, I you know, a billion dollars or something was thrown out there. Look, we know that uh, Buffalo's new open-air stadium is going to cost $1.4 billion. I don't know why. I don't know how. Certainly not going to pay that kind of money for a building you can only There's use. There's a lot of tax money going into that, too. If you look at the breakdown, yeah, it's, where that it's over 800, from. Yeah, 800, a record $850 million. Um, you know, the the guardians and the cavaliers got a got a pretty decent deal cavaliers paid 115 of the 185 million dollar renovation to the 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 field house the guardians are going to pay 150 million of the 435 million dollar renovation that's about to begin at progressive field this city and the county are going to pay over 100 million 
Um, actually, it's over 120 million each. I how much of that is from syntax money though? Um, a chunk of it, and then uh, the state is kicking in like 30 million for it. So, um, you know, that's the other reason why the Browns are doing this now, Andy, because first of all, they don't know what they're going to do. They don't know how what the scope of what they're going to do once they make that decision, right? Do we renovate? Do we move into something new? Then they have to figure out, okay, what's it going to cost to do either plan A or plan B? Then, then you get to the third step of, okay, now how do we pay for it? How do we do the public-private partnership? I will tell you, uh, the more the Browns pay for, the more expensive for fans it's going to be because that's just the way it is. Well, case in point, let me let me back up what you're saying. Originally, Nationwide Arena in Columbus for the Blue Jackets had a lot more public funding. They took it to a vote. The voters said no. So what happened was the McConnells and the group, you know, the the Wolves and all the the big names in Columbus at the time said, okay, we're going to pay for the venue, or as as much as they as much as they needed to pay for the venue to make it happen. And in the end, you pay more for the tickets. So it's one way or another, you're going to end up paying for some of it. Right. I mean, but so, you have more of a choice. I mean, you, you truly have, like, I don't know. I think it's a, it's super hard sell right now. Right. By the way, the same thing happened for the Columbus crew when they originally, they had a, um, they were planning on putting them out in um, Dublin. Dublin turned them down. They ended up getting a sweet deal from the state by putting uh, the original crew stadium. That was first soccer specific stadium in the country on the state fairgrounds and the state fairgrounds said, well, if you ever move or something goes on, we can buy it back for a dollar. And that's what happened. Right. And now they're still using it for stuff. They put a bubble in it. Now it looks awesome. When you're driving down 71 and you go by there, you can see that they're still using that stadium. So, I mean, it's, it's going to get paid. I just think it's a really hard sell right now to tell someone who's paying $5 a gallon for gas right. that, Oh, by the way, you need a new stadium today. Right. And, well, I, and I, again, that's why you're right. Right. You know, and again, want to be clear, the Browns are not doing that right now. Right. They, they, they don't know what they're doing. They have to figure out, can, can they extend the life of First Energy Stadium? Is the development project that they're in, uh, supporting with the city and the land bridge and all that, is that going to happen? Because that's, look, I mean, that's a vital part of what the Browns, you know, to, to their credit, they're trying to enhance the game day experience here and and not have it just be, Go get drunk in the parking lot before the game. Walk mm. up to the game, you know. Watch four quarters of football. Walk back to your your car. They want to make it a more immersive experience, similar to what the Guardians and the Cavaliers have been able to do uh, on the south side of downtown, just north of the Interbelt. So, um, th- you know that that's a a big part of this scenario. And again, we're seven years out. So let's say you take. Two years, or you take a year to figure out what you want to do, the feasibility of it, right? right? Another year to start kind of drawing up some plans, and also you get through all the political red tape of what's going to happen with the, the, the lakefront development project. If that is a yes, then you stay on the lake, you renovate, you, you know, extend the life of the building, and whatever, right? If it's a no, now guess what? You're five years away from your lease, you know, four or five years away from your lease expiring. And guess what you have in your back pocket? You have some architectural renderings of a potential new stadium. And you can say, all right, since we are not going to be able to provide the, the fan experience and the bang for the taxpayer's buck by putting more hundreds of millions of dollars into the existing building, it's falling apart. It's going to cost a bloody fortune just to keep the thing running. It already is right now. You know what? Let's just build a new facility somewhere, make it a retractable roof or just an enclosed building altogether. We'll be able to use it 365, 24-7, have more events, really get the bang for the buck for the taxpayer and get more big events here, which, oh, by the way, the Browns could then be eligible for, let's see, the Final Four, the Super Bowl, college playoff games, uh, all kinds of championship bowl games. Just tons and tons of stuff that you can do. Con- so, more concerts, yeah, all kinds of things. So, so these are the things that they they then can, you conventions. know, conventions, yeah, can, yeah, you know, present to the general public. So there's a lot 
right now to just say, well, the Browns are asking for a new stadium. That's factually incorrect. That's not what's happening. Right. And, and right now is the perfect time for them to sit down, assess what they have, assess what they need, what their vision is going forward, get the pulse of the city of Cleveland and where uh, political leaders are as far as getting that lakefront development. Because look, Randy Lerner, I remember, tried to get lakefront development done. Didn't happen. Hell, they rezoned. So where those uh, across this, where, where it's a big giant parking lot right now on the north side of the stadium, the old warehouses that they took right. down for the NFL draft. So re- re- that was all rezoned in 2012 for uh, to allow for construction. Like on the west side, I think you can build up to 10 floors high. And then on the east side, no more than four floors high. And that's to accommodate the flight path of Burke Lakefront oh, Airport, which, sure. oh, by the way, for the billions of people out there that say Burke Lakefront Airport sucks, it's a waste of land, it needs to go away. I'm here to tell you that is not happening. It is not happening anytime soon. They just, they, they can't. It's getting too much federal money and it's not closing. It like takes 20 years. Saint, it took St. Louis like 20 years to close a regional airport. So Burke is not going anywhere. Chicago figured out how to get rid of theirs pretty quick though. <clears throat> yeah, but they also have two big massive airports. Midway and O'Hare. That's true. Another thing. But the know. thing is, is we don't have the commercial flights coming in here. I mean, you can still land right. the private stuff. And Cuyahoga County is expanding too. They're building another, uh, not another hangar, but another thing for uh, the the private air airline that flies out of there that does all the you know the. Yeah. the, the and, and by the way, North Lakefront Airport also yeah. sits on man-made land. Sure. So, but I think houses would probably fit better there. And how much could you make? But I'm just telling you, it isn't going anywhere. Uh, I forget the specific law or regulation, but when you're when you receive federal dollars for your facility for infrastructure upgrades, especially airports, like there's a timeline here. And yeah, so Burke Lakefront is not a viable stadium site. So everyone just get that out of your minds. Think I-77 and 480, or I'm I'm sorry, I-71 and 480. I-77 and 480 is rock side. That would be the worst place to put a stadium. There is land over there, but that's there I don't is. Know. But uh, uh, but seriously, think. I've heard ice rinks are going up there, so but that's what I hear. I think Daryl, it's been fun, man. We got to roll here. Thank you, appreciate it. It's been fun. You ready to do it? any last or final thoughts on this? We're we're good. We're good. I think we got a lot of thoughts. I think we we covered it all. (laughs) I do too. We do want your feedback though at Game Day CLE. So why don't you hit us up on that? Uh, We'll be doing a mailbag show shortly. So hang tight with us. We are back again. I guess are we back on Thursday or later this week? We'll see. Just because the the week is a little bit messed up. Yeah, we're back. We'll we'll drop another show later this week as well. Thanks for listening. It's always Game Day in Cleveland, produced by the amazing Meredith Kane. We appreciate all the hard work she's putting into this show as well, and we appreciate you. For listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland, he's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We will talk to you next time on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland.